0: If you thought slavery was an historical phenomenon, ended for good by people like William Wilberforce and events like the American Civil War, think again. It's estimated that still, today, 25 million women, children and men are trafficked annually, deceived, threatened and exploited. And maybe the most sobering thing is that you and I are likely to be part of the problem. Are we reinforcing modern slavery and human trafficking every time we get out our credit or debit card and tap?
1: This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Hey,
0: it's fantastic to have you here for another week of Signs of the Times Radio. I'm here in the studio with a young lady by the name of Angelina Kerr. It's probably not very PC to call people young ladies these days, is it, uh, Angelina?
1: Well, probably not, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> Thank you for having me.
0: <laughs> That's all right. So, Angelina, tell us uh, a little bit uh, about yourself. What what do you do with, with your days? And, you know, just be- before we get into this topic, this tough topic today of human trafficking.
1: Well, I'm studying. This year I'm planning to finish my master's. So, yeah, I think mostly at this point I'm working on my degree. And I, what, was,
0: what, what was your like previous degree that you're building this master's on?
1: So I graduated from Avondale College in 2016 with a Bachelor of Arts and I majored in International Poverty and Development Studies.
0: Right, okay. So I actually did attend Avondale myself there for a while on uh, the New South Wales Central Coast. So uh, a master's, so what, what direction are you, you taking the, the master's in?
1: Well, it's a Master of Applied Anthropology and Participatory Development, which is kind of a mouthful and is very confusing. Sounds
0: very scary. (laughs) And it
1: took me like a year to figure out how to pronounce participatory. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, it's about like community development and how to become a development practitioner, essentially, because I'd like to work in international development.
0: Okay, so ha- have have your studies so far, or even in the lead up to your studies, involved any sort of field placements or, or like overseas travel and, and stuff, or is this still sort of something that, that you're you know developing and getting your head around?
1: Well, like the m- most major thing, I did a year internship with ADRA in Jakarta, Indonesia. Okay. So I worked with the programs department and lived in Jakarta for a year.
0: Okay, and what, so, and what sort of programs were, uh, uh, are they running in Jakarta? Uh, in Jakarta.
1: Well, given that Indonesia is very prone to natural disasters, there were kind of projects to do with equipping schools and churches and governments to all work together um, in disaster risk reduction and prevention. And mm-hmm. then they had other projects like linking corporate funding to local communities, like helping them access that funding. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then just, you know, child and mother nutrition and they had a HIV project. And yeah. Just kind of the broad
0: Wow. You know, I I used to think that the whole kind of international aid worker thing was an incredibly glamorous thing to do, and maybe I would like to do it sometime. But then I realized at some point that there's actually a lot of paperwork involved, and it's all about like grant applications and reviewing projects. You know, progress, and are they meeting their key performance indicators, and you know all love this, all this sort of stuff. And I was just like, no, you know, like it that doesn't feel like helping people. That feels like administration. But you love that stuff.
1: Yeah, I mean, like you do like a concept note before f- a project, so you have to research why that's needed. Mm-hmm. So you, you know, you'll use whatever statistics to prove that mm-hmm. there's a need for that project.
0: So it's working from an evidence base.
1: Yeah, basically, yeah. So you know, if it's a child new malnutrition project you'll look at the malnutrition statistics and how that affects education and hmm. well-being and yeah okay. all of that and then there's project proposals which can get accepted or mm-hmm. you know rejected and you need to work on a few things or yeah yeah. you got to yeah. tap in and it's it's becoming increasingly harder to get funding yeah. for smaller organisations. Well, that's right.
0: And and I think the case often is with these funding applications that you think, oh, we need to start off a program that's going to just transform this community. It's going to do this and that and that and that. But usually what you get is, well, no, it has to be a time-limited thing. There's only funding for like three years after that. It's got to be all over or, you know, you don't get ongoing funding a a lot of time, I've noticed. It's always a a very sort of limited kind of thing. Has that been your experience?
1: Yeah. If it's government funding, it tends to be, you know, it'll be a year project or a, Mm. and yeah, then nothing really is kind of for that duration and stuff doesn't continue afterwards. Yeah, well, But some organisations have... Like change their model, mm-hmm. so they'll work with like some Christian organizations like Tear or Baptist World Aid. They'll mm-hmm. work with local Christian partners. I'm actually currently interning with Tear, which mm-hmm. is a Christian non yeah. I've, I've come across them. Yeah, they're, they're a great, great
0: bunch of people. Yeah, yeah. So they, I, do, I have one of their t-shirts. Ooh, nice. They, what was it? The love justice. Was it yeah. love mercy? Walk humbly. Isn't that t-shirt. adra no, no. I thought
1: Adra had like a black T-shirt. With oh, the they've got one
0: that says compassion, mercy, or something oh. rather, right but yes, similar. To, but Tia did it first.
1: Mm. <laughs> but yeah, so they do a lot in that kind of space with long-term.
0: Okay, all right, fair enough.
1: So, but then they get money. Not, I mean, they get money from the government, but they also have donors.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, in studying international development, in doing your placement in Indonesia, and now heading into your masters. How has what you've done intersected with this issue we want to focus on today of of human trafficking? Like, how have you encountered it, or how is, has your path sort of crossed with this issue? How has is it, you know, sort of um, impacted on 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 what you're doing or your understanding of of what you're doing?
1: Mm, well, I've always been interested in like humanitarian issues, and probably yeah. from like a social justice like the, that kind of perspective. And I know in my undergrad we did touch on it, but yeah. in my master's like last semester we did a class on refugees migration and like development Mm -hmm. and that well that was huge it touched on so many different elements of migration including human trafficking and people smuggling and Mm. yeah the definitions can get quite murky and confusing between Mm -hmm. what is it does get blurry doesn't it because
0: obviously you know in australia we talk a lot about well in previous years especially it's gone a bit quieter now but we've talked a lot about people smuggling and you know these people who are desperate to get to a safe haven you know like Australia and and who you know employ you know people and pay exorbitant amounts of money in order to get somewhere like Australia to try to try to settle here safely but people smuggling and human trafficking is that two different things or is there overlap?
1: They are they're actually different but Like, smuggling can turn into trafficking, Mm -hmm. but the main difference is is between, like, consent Mm -hmm. and then exploitation. Mm -hmm. So, like, in smuggling, people do consent to... They want to cross a border illegally, and so they'll pay someone. Mm -hmm. But then when they arrive in the destination country, like, that's kind of the end of the contact that they've had with the person smuggling them.
0: That's right. And although normally it would be illegal to cross that border... it it's actually but, yeah. isn't if you're crossing a border in order to seek asylum. I understand it's, oh, um, by, well that's... Oh, that's
1: asylum seeker, which is different yeah. from oh, okay. people smuggling.
0: Right. But like, <laughs> isn't it often the case that people uh, are smuggled over borders in order to seek asylum? Or I guess yeah, sometimes they just they want can to be. live on the quiet on the other side, don't they?
1: Yeah, it depends on each state, nation state, how they accept. Yeah, like yeah. Australia, is pretty hard. We don't yep. really like people coming in and we send them off to detention yeah. centres. Well,
0: I'm talking about UN conventions but, yeah. that we've signed and things like that. But that's obviously a separate issue from human trafficking so Hmm. so tell us about human trafficking like what is it what is the scale of it what what's involved just to just help us get get our heads around it and and look and I'm not asking you this you know because you're you know the planet's sort of expert on human trafficking but I guess I want to learn with you I want our listeners to learn with you you know as you're you know starting to encounter this stuff and and trying to make sense of it so you know not expecting you to have all the answers but let's you know let's learn about this this together
1: yeah well obviously i think we can all agree that human trafficking is a violation of human rights mm.
0: well we have to know what it is first, yes so, so tell us
1: it's basically the united nations has a trafficking in persons protocol mm-hmm. and that defines that there's three elements mm-hmm. that are Classified as human trafficking, mm-hmm. and you kind of have to have all three, unless the child is under eighteen. Mm-hmm. But the first one is the act, which is what is done. So mm-hmm. that refers to like the recruitment, the transportation, or the transfer and harboring of people. Mm-hmm. And then the means is how it's done. So that's with the threat of force or mm. or violence, violence, mm. coercion, abduction, deception is huge because that's kind of the means. Mm-hmm. But there's definitely abuse of power in that. Yeah, yeah. And then the purpose, which is always for exploitation. Mm-hmm. So that okay. can. So, so so could could you give us?
0: I mean, I, I know that there are, you know, because I think like we, we have an, an article in in this month's Signs of the Times, you know, that looks at the issue of human trafficking. It suggests there are 25 million like people are around the world being that are you know subject to human trafficking. So obviously, each one of those millions of people has an individual story, but nevertheless are you able to give you know in inverted commas typical sort of experience of, of what that what that looks like because you know you're talking about you know recruitment you're talking about coercion you're talking about exploitation but what what exactly might that look like in you know a real life situation paint a picture for us
1: so of like trafficking yeah yeah, yeah. it's generally people are, could be looking for say a better life so mm-hmm. someone could flee their home area mm-hmm. and then they could meet someone who offers to take them to another country mm-hmm. if they pay you know a certain amount of money and then that person can also offer for them to say work off the money once they get to the new country mm-hmm. and you know so, so they say there's a job waiting yeah for them there's in a in job the- and it's a great job it's a great opportunity mm-hmm. and obviously like if you're coming from a poor impoverished community you know the promise of a better life you're going to take that mm-hmm. and so Somehow, you know, they get given a false passport, and then they arrive in the new country, and they go to take this job. And it can—it ha- doesn't have to be country to country; it can be internal as well. Sure, but it's sure. easier to hide, you know, the further away it is. Yep. And then when they get there, the new job isn't what they thought it would be. So mm-hmm. maybe. So, so
0: they might be offered a, a waitressing job, yeah. for example.
1: And they'll get there, and because within like the trafficking, people can be exploited, obviously, like for sex slavery, mm-hmm. but also forced labour so mm-hmm. they could get there and the job could end up like they could be told that they were just at a massage, massage parlour or something mm-hmm. massaging but then they are it's more than expected that. to perform yeah. sex acts or, or, it could or be a lot like you forced labour in a
0: factory or, or in a sort of yeah. a, a a farm sort of in yeah. or plantation sort of environment as well?
1: Yeah, so yeah. agriculture and like mines and uh, factories, I yeah. think that's yep. huge too. And also like the hospitality sector.
0: Oh, really? Wow.
1: So somebody, even it can be family members in that, they'll sponsor them to come, say, to Australia to work in a restaurant. They mm-hmm. get here and they're expected to work insanely long hours every day of the week. Mm-hmm. Also interesting things to do with how they live. So if they live with the people that they work for and Mm -hmm. then they can't leave and they're expected to go home and do like housework and Mm -hmm. the pay is way less than Mm -hmm. what they were expected.
0: So these people are often working outside of any formal sort of industrial relations you know, frameworks in, like in terms of award wages, in terms of having access to a union. Yeah, they're in, not part of groups. You, you, you can't go can... to Fair Work Australia and, or you don't think you can go to Fair Work Australia and say, hey, listen, I don't think I'm being treated fairly. Mm. And you say there's threats like what people often like passports are being held back by yeah. employers. Yeah, if
1: you arrive and they take your visa and passport, you mm-hmm. are effectively trapped. Mm-hmm. And then also there can be threats that if you do go to the authorities like they'll hurt your family back where you came from because there's mm-hmm. generally like a whole network of right. connections. Right, so these are the
0: threat, the force and the violence, yeah. the threats that you're talking about before.
1: Yeah, okay. and yeah, because en- employers can also use the threat of you're here illegally, so if we go mm-hmm. to the government, you'll get you, deported. You, you'll be
0: deported. But yeah, it can happen both where it's legal home. workers mm.
1: on like proper visas yeah. and illegal. It yeah, can be
0: yeah. both. I mean, I, I guess it, it, there must be a, um, a continuum I guess mm. like you, you think of, for example, uh, an au pair you know comes from Europe, of usually a, a young woman of her own accord, comes to live in the household of a relatively you know, well-off Australian family. And then discovers once she's there that she's not being paid very well, and in fact the you know the father of the home is very handsy or or, or whatever you, you know what I mean. So that might not be technically human trafficking, but it's sort of heading into that exploitative labour practices and being quite vulnerable. Isn't it? But, yeah. But then, obviously, even if the full gamut of you know that UN definition you mentioned isn't there, there are still aspects of, of exploitative labour there, and that must be hard sometimes to sort of find that line between well, what is human trafficking and and what is just you know a bad boss or an abusive workplace yeah. or yeah, wow, it's, okay. So, are there particular hotspots where like this is a, a a massive issue? I mean, you mentioned Australia and I guess some people might be surprised to hear that this is even an issue in Australia.
1: Yeah, well, Australia is primarily a destination country Mm -hmm. and most of the people that are trafficked who come to Australia come from Asia, so particularly Mm -hmm. like Thailand, Korea, the Philippines, Malaysia Mm -hmm. and like a huge trafficking area where people trafficked, mm. is kind of in the greater Mekong region. So, Canber- mm-hmm. like Southeast Asia, Cambodia, okay. Laos, right. Myanmar, around there. Wow. Because it's often poor people who are marginalised and who do want a better life are searching mm. for mm. it. And they're the most vulnerable I've, to exploitation.
0: I've, I've heard stories of recruiters going to, let's say, you know, remote villages in the hill tribes of Thailand, mm. meeting families there saying, hey, listen, I've got a great opportunity for your family. You know, I have a job for your daughter. You know, we'll we'll educate her. We'll give her a safe place. We'll give her a good job. She better send money back to the family, and it's and it's sometimes characterized as you know the family sold their daughter, you know, to to these people. So sometimes it seems it's the recruiting goes right back to the village, right yeah. back, right back to the family. That that is, is very true, and even thought.
1: even like people who have been trafficked can become traffickers. That, that's like some NGOs will educate a community to only you know, look when they do look to migrate, like to do mm-hmm. it safely. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes it can be like their friends and their family who end up trafficking them. Mm-hmm. Even though mm. they were trafficked. So it's wow. a very complicated thing.
0: Wow, okay. So Southeast Asia definitely a, a hot spot. I understand like like India and the, the subcontinental countries is a bit of yeah, an issue I think there. So. Maybe not so Australia necessarily, but at, at least
1: Yeah, I'm more familiar with the Asia context. With with our yeah, with our local context. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) sure, sure. I mean, it obviously happens. Yeah, even in the US, I understand this. US people. Well, I mean, Australians can be trafficked in Australia. US people can be trafficked in. Yeah, it's not just foreigners.
0: Yep. Yep. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, you, you mentioned a number of different industries that people who are being trafficked end up in. It's my understanding that the sex trade is by far the largest proportion of that? That's actually of, of a misconception. No? Oh, really? Okay. Most
1: is for um, forced labor. Oh, really? But obviously, sex trafficking has the largest focus because I think uh-huh. it has the most moral – I mean, everyone's against mm-hmm. – it's a very moral thing to mm-hmm. abhor – yeah. The sex industry.
0: It's interesting that you say everyone's against it because I guess there are some issues in society that seem to attract, you know, one or the other kind of side of, of politics. Yeah. But it seems with human trafficking, it's something that seems to cut across a little bit. I mean, you have some fairly evangelical churches, for example, who are, you know, have anti trafficking campaigns and, you know, they're often very p- politically conservative. And then you have some fairly um, sort of left. Wing kind of groups being very much against human trafficking too. Have you found that in the the sorts of you know people that you've encountered and the campaigns you've come across? That yeah, that that I think yeah,
1: across like politicians and very much because I've been in like the church kind of mm. area and it's a big thing for organisations like mm. NGOs and Christian organisations.
0: Yeah, no, I, I find that really interesting because you know so many issues are very politically polarised. This one actually does does seem to be a a, a bit of a, a unifier. So um not not many of us in, in Australia, I guess, uh, uh, well, I don't know, are we? I guess there's a question I need to ask you, you know, how does human trafficking actually intersect with the lives of, you know, everyday people in in Australia? You know, does it at at all? Yes. <laughs> yes?
1: <laughs> uh, there's been a lot of focus just recently there was the anti slavery bill that New South Wales passed. Mm-hmm. So there's been a kind of shift conceptually mm. in recent times to frame human trafficking as modern slavery mm-hmm. because modern slavery also pulls out indignation. Mm. And so by framing the, it under modern slavery, then we can look at supply chains mm. of, and supply chains impact like the everyday Australian yeah, in okay, okay, every okay, way. Now,
0: so let's spell this, spell this out for us. What do you mean exactly by a, a supply chain? Like if, Give me a a product, for example, and... Tell us about about the supply chain that yeah. might be involved there so we we can start to picture okay. what you're talking so
1: about. So it comes in, think of, like, the clothes we wear, the products we use, electronics, all of that kind of stuff. Mm. And okay,
0: well, l- let's talk about the, the shirt you're wearing, for example, okay? <laughs> so if the shirt you're wearing let's say it says made in Bangladesh on the back, which a Mm. lot of shirts do. So what might be the supply chain that could be involved there that that you're talking about?
1: Well, in Bangladesh, especially, Mm -hmm. um, there's big factories and Mm. there's a lot of, especially women and children, like Mm -hmm. child labor is also huge. Mm. And so they're there. They could have been trafficked to work in that factory. They could be under unfair conditions, um, not getting enough pay being exploited and mm-hmm. so that kind of would impact the Okay. Yeah.
0: So 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 first of all there's the the shop you you buy the shirt from. Yeah. I guess it would be nice to know that the people who work in that shop here in Australia were were being paid right. But then yeah. as you say you follow the supply chain back made in and, Bung- yeah. made in Bangladesh so Where's that shirt supplied from well, mm. Bangladesh, what are the conditions like they're from? and
1: not even the factory though it's like where did the mid- like say it 's a cotton shirt, then who produced right. the cotton so that 's right. the agricultural workers so this is the so su- supply chains are very yeah. complex
0: so it 's the shop you bought it from, the factory that made it, the cotton that was picked in yep. in the first place, which is I understand often in Kazakhstan a lot yeah,
1: they had a lot to do with the government made children. Yeah, skip school, and yeah, they had to. Okay, um,
0: so so something like New South Wales Modern Slavery Act that you know, that came out a couple of years ago, yeah. as you said, what is that doing uh, in terms of like this supply chain issue? What what is it seeking to do?
1: Um, I believe that it's trying to make it more transparent. I haven't mm. looked hugely into it, mm. but yeah, just to provide some more transparency to yep. do with and the processes of like organizations can be judged according to their processes in dealing mm. with. Mm. Complaints and okay. fair stuff.
0: So, so if, if if I go to Big W and I see a shirt there that that I like, I mean, obviously there are, you know, Big W probably gets shirts from a number of different, you know, clothing manufacturers. Mm-hmm how am I supposed to know, how am, I, how am I as an individual shopper supposed to be able to track this back? All these different companies, all these different supply chains that probably intersect yeah, and interlock yeah. in so many ways. Uh, like, are there is there any way that, you know, is there any resource out there that will help me to make better decisions about that, for example?
1: Well, organizations like Baptist World Aid have mm-hmm. come up with an ethical fashion guide that mm-hmm. they update every so often. And they've also got a, ethical electronics guide. Oh yeah. And they do rate There's an
0: app, I think. Yeah, they have yeah. an app. I think that's yeah, that's new. But you can also get the printed out booklet yeah. and
1: yeah. You can and they it rates companies like A to D or something mm. based on how ethical their supply chains are and mm-hmm. how much well the lack of slave labour would be good. Mm. It um, would
0: <laughs> it would. But okay, so so that's clothing, but then like you say there's electronics. Yeah. Like there are like what what probably are they?
1: the batteries in our phones and the
0: Lithium, yeah. yeah,
1: all the how, how's that mined? How's that yep. put together? And there's a
0: bunch of other little, like, rare earth minerals, I think they're called, that are mm. often inside, like, electronics. And where do they come from? I think it's often from places like the Congo in, yep. in Africa, and again, child labor again, yeah, which is, yeah, pre- pretty tough. So, I mean, uh, you've mentioned a few times you're sort of coming from a, a Christian NGO sort of background and, and point of view. Do you have a sort of a biblical? Insight or a biblical perspective on the whole issue of human trafficking. I mean, I guess there are stories about, um, like Joseph in the Old Testament. He was trafficked, wasn't he? His brothers sold him to yeah. a bunch of slave traders, and he was taken to Egypt and put to work. <laughs> that was that was an <laughs> a exam- lot of stuff happened in the Old Testament. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was an example of, of human trafficking, and I don't think the Old Testament is particularly positive towards it. But do you, do you, as a modern day, you know, Christian? sort of see wisdom or, or guidance in the Bible in dealing with this issue or is it, you know, silent about you know the twenty first century situation?
1: I yeah, well if you look especially at the life of Jesus, he was all about justice and compassion and mm-hmm. he helped, you know, the widows and the fatherless and yeah, the Bible in especially like the the d- disciples um mm. after Jesus left, they were concerned with the, the foreign widows who mm. weren't getting a fair share. So they That's
0: right, it's in the book of Acts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And even like in the Old Testament, like mm. in Isaiah, it says to defend the oppressed and take up the cause of the fatherless. Mm. So I think as Christians, we should be concerned with Social justice and environmental justice. Yeah, and all
0: yeah, that. yeah. I guess not just Christians. I mean, not all people yeah, of good. All will, people, really, really. Yeah.
1: And and there are a lot of good people and a lot of good organisations out mm. there who are doing their very best.
0: Yeah, but it is good to see that there is a you know a genuine biblical case. For, yeah, there is. you know for, for resisting these you know these sorts of exploitations and and oppressions and yeah, interesting. Wow. So as individuals, I mean, uh, probably you or I are unlikely to be voted into parliament anytime soon to sort of... I wouldn't want to be. (laughs) You wouldn't want to be? Okay. (laughs) Because if we were, maybe we could pass the, you know, the modern slavery, um, you know, reform act and we could even strengthen the, you know, that legislation that's there. But failing that, what are things that, that we can do? I guess you've already suggested one, would they you know that what was baptist world aids um ethical you know fashion guide that is one thing we could do shop shop a little more uh, more carefully are there any other things we can do
1: well i definitely think like educating ourselves about the issues mm-hmm. that's huge
0: by listening to this podcast <laughs> signs of the times radio sorry <laughs>
1: <laughs> good ad no yeah so just general education about what constitutes human trafficking, even maybe to be able to spot human trafficking, like in yeah. situations maybe if you see, like, a young girl with, like, um, there's been examples of, like, when an air hostess will, is it a hostess or a flight attendant? A flight attendant, I believe, is I'm the polite st- way to say it. very old-fashioned.
0: We just call them hosties in Australia, male or female, hosties. Do but we? Yeah.
1: Anyway. <laughs> Do you no. <laughs> yeah. So they
0: hashtag th- millennial catching up. Okay. Yay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they could like spot a situation where a girl looks like she doesn't want she, to be yeah, there. Yeah. If she's like young, a young person with an older per- like an older man, or mm-hmm. if someone appears to be like drugged, mm-hmm. or even just. So,
0: to be to spot those signs of yeah. coercion—the signs that maybe somebody's not going along willingly with mm. this.
1: And even like, like questions to kind of ask—not that you necessarily always get the opportunity—but mm. like, just to look at like where a person works, where they go home, what mm. do they do? They have free time. You know, can they, can they, do they have their documents? Do mm-hmm. they, are they unsure of where they live? Because yeah, <laughs> if yeah. they don't know where they live, that's not very good.
0: Yeah. Okay. So this would be int- uh, an interesting conversation. But to um, have. I, yeah. I, I guess you'd probably have to be going to a particular premises and doing business with them, you know, fairly often in order to yeah. think, hmm, I keep seeing this person there and there's something that something doesn't seem quite right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean,
1: yeah, like the Australian Federal Police has a whole, list of signs that a person can be trafficked. Okay. Which is a good resource to look up if you're right. interested. Okay.
0: We'll, yeah, we'll check, um, check that out. Australian Federal Police. Just Google it. Yeah. Just signs their website. Of, signs of human trafficking. Uh, yeah. Sort of they've
1: got a whole thing on like human trafficking and that okay. kind of thing. Um, so get yourself educated.
0: Become yeah, aware. And then
1: advocacy. So mm. advocating like to governments and mm. those kind of organizations, like the Modern Slavery Act came mm. up about because a lot of people were working for it, but also just to make sure that the laws that do exist can be implemented.
0: So, so there are like various campaigns like yeah. in Australia, NGOs all, all around and, the world, aren't they? Yeah. Like looking at this issue, you can join up, you can help out, you can volunteer, you can fundraise, the, yeah, all, mm. all sorts of stuff you can do. And um, maybe they're having some sort of, you know, rally or something you could, you know, join join the crowd, yeah. you know, show your support.
1: Yeah. They have like walks and all sorts of different mm. things.
0: Mm. Is is this an area that you're looking at um, going into, like as you go forward in your, I don't know if to call it a calling or or a career <laughs> in the international aid sector?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to work in development, so we'll see what area that particularly mm-hmm. ends up being. But I am kind of interested in these issues.
0: Mm-hmm. Look, I imagine it could be incredibly heartbreaking, and you you'd need yeah. to be you know strong and you know make sure you look after yourself and have the supports that you know. To mm. be able to debrief, to be able to you know decompress and take time out, it could be could be pretty traumatic, but it's important work to do. And yeah, good, good on you for uh, for your interest, for you know delving into these kind of dark corners of the world that a lot of us you know often try to avoid. <laughs> and for you know seeking to to do something about it. all all the best with your studies and, and your future.
1: Cool. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.